Hello and welcome to Podcast and Curious with your host, me, Galena Ravina. This episode that I am bringing you today, I just want to forewarn, I did my best on cleaning it up uh, in the post here, but as some of you know, I've been recording these on Zoom lately and sometimes Zoom can be a real doozy. It can uh, go one way or the other and unfortunately um, my guests sound quality kind of goes in and out, but I listened to the whole episode, and even though in some parts it's a little bit fuzzy, you can still hear it, and you can still get a lot out of it, so I think it's important to go ahead and upload this episode anyway. My guest today is my dear friend, Amy Silverberg. She's a comedian. She's also a very talented and published writer, and if you go to her website, which I believe is just amysilverberg.com, she's going to... Uh, say it at the end of the episode, but I believe that it's just her name.com. She's got some of her published work on there. And yeah, I really enjoyed our talk. We get into books and reading. It's something that we bonded over when we became friends. Um, I feel like I read a lot, but she reads way more than I do. And she also um, teaches writing at USC. So she knows what she's talking about is uh, what I'm going to say. On that, And so we had a really good discussion about some books and about writing, about her um, process as a writer, which I always think it's really interesting when people tell me their processes. Mine is all over the place and not something that I can even verbalize when people ask me how I write jokes. I'm like, I don't know. I, I just sit down and do it. There's, there's kind of no rhyme or reason. It used to be that I would go to um, a coffee shop and I would do it there. I had like a specific drink order and I had a really good playlist on Spotify that is just instrumental music and that's what would help me. Um, But during the pandemic, obviously, I haven't really been able to go and hang out at coffee shops. So I've taken to writing at home, which is full of obstacles because I've got a dog distracting me. I've got my phone, which is my fault for picking that up and not doing my writing. Anyway, um, this episode is really helpful, I think, if if you're looking to get motivated to write or even to read. Our conversation is really good, and I got a couple book recommendations out of it that I wrote down for myself, and I'm going to read since we talked about them. We also kind of joked about the idea of potentially doing a podcast where (laughs) people uh, tell us what issues they have or what life challenges they're dealing with and then we recommend a book to help them out so if that sounds like a cool idea write me let me know we might actually do it or we might not I don't know Um, but it would be a cool podcast idea I would listen to it anyway I'm just gonna let the episode go Um, here is Amy Silverberg and enjoy so good to see you Wow, I'm so thrilled to be on the podcast. <laughs> and um, don't spill any of the secrets I said right before we officially started filming. I won't, but I, I do love that you immediately asked if you're the most deranged guest I've ever had. Uh, yeah, you know, I know that you have a, a close relationship with your therapist because we've spoken about it mm-hmm. um, many times. And I'm always asking my therapist or I'll always be like, I know this is deranged, but and then I'll say something and she's always like, it's that's like fine. I always ask her if I'm her favorite too. Does she tell you who you are? She's like, why do you think it is that you want to be my favorite? And I'm like, oh. why do you think it is? Isn't it obvious? 
That's such a therapist. Remind me of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, I didn't get the word. Yeah, she's a good one. I, um, actually, I've had a weird thing recently where mine is not covered by my insurance, Dr. Barbara, who I love. And I felt like at the beginning of quarantine, I just wasn't getting enough out of it. And so Mm -hmm. I stopped seeing her. Then, you know, I felt a little... The listeners can't see, but I'm making that gesture. The the wacky gesture. Yeah, I felt a little unwell. (laughs) So I was like, I got to see Dr. Barbara again. And then I got in contact with her and she was like, I'm not, like, I'm so booked up. Like, I'll try to squeeze you in. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll try to see somebody. So you lost your slot. Did you have like a weekly slot that you gave up? I had a a buy uh, every two week spot. I've actually gotten it back since. Now we're back on to two week. But in that period where she wasn't able to fit me in, I found somebody covered by my insurance and she was such a bad therapist. I was like, oh, this is what's out here covered by my insurance. Oh, truly. She was wild. She never stopped talking. I could barely get a word in edgewise. Not a great quality that's like, therapist. Yeah, that's the number one thing is they shouldn't really be talking. She used the word yummy. Every session she would be like, um, you know, we just need to think about things that make you feel yummy. Like, <laughs> what? What? She was like, you know how when you pet a dog, it makes you feel yummy? And I was like, what, what is happening? Oh, she needs to go back. She's not done learning oh my it. God. She's got to go back to therapist school. Everything was bad about it. I I was stressed out about like a difficult conversation I'd had with a friend who whose politics didn't align with mine, and she was like, "I know a lot of great Republicans," and I was like, "What is happening? That is so weird. Heading so so weird." And I was so fascinated by how much I didn't like her that I saw by how bad she was and my true hatred for her. I saw her like five times, and that's on me, you know. Yeah, I've been able to bring it up to Barbara. It's it's hard because I hadn't done therapy for like a cut. I came out here and then I had like a bad therapist. I would say when I first started doing stand up, I think I started seeing her like one year in in 2015 and I would go to her and I was like kind of seeing this comedian. And oh, you mean, wait, you were seeing a comedian like romantically, romantically. Yes. Okay, while I was seeing that. this therapist. I thought, I thought you meant I was seeing a comedian as a therapist. And oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, that's your first mistake. That was the first mistake. So I'm telling her about him. And he was like in a slightly upper echelon where he was very Googleable. And he also... Like the fake like hierarchy that is yes. like high school stand-up where you're like... High school stand-up. They're in the grade above me because when I went to open my excited, I wanted to impress <laughs> them. Yeah. Right, like he had had at least a special. I won't say anything more specific than that, but he had had a special. We stopped hanging out and I got really, really jealous because he started hanging out with a reality TV star and dating her. And I was like, please DM me who the, who I will, I will. Um, I will text me. <laughs> I'll take, no, I won't. I'll tell you afterwards when I okay, cut this. Because <laughs> you're afraid that I'll like blurt it out and I don't like it. <laughs> but, I just thought it, I, it was like killing me. It was making me feel really insecure and crazy, even though it wasn't about me. But I just like was not in a place to accept how quickly he moved on. Oh, and especially God. because she had been on a reality TV show that I used to watch in college. So it like fucked me up like 
so many different ways. And I was telling this therapist about it. <laughs> when you find out who it is, you'll be like, oh, God, really? <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's like every time I hear when someone has a crush on a comedian. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he is a loser. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. Believe It's worse than you can imagine. <laughs> Only male comedians, by the way. Every female comedian I know is like, I have 10 jobs. And then every male comedian I know is like, I live in a basement. <laughs> and <laughs> I, there's a warrant out for my arrest. That, yeah, that's uh, that's wildly accurate. But I was telling this therapist about it and she goes, hang on, I have to Google them. And she starts like Googling them during the session. And I was like, is this what therapy is? So then I just stopped. Terrible. So unprofessional. Yeah. Yeah. You forget. It's like a lot of people can become therapists, but they're not that many good ones. No, not at all. But it is hard to break up a lot. Yes, yes. I was so I was like stressed out. I was like texting my friend, being like, "What should I say to her?" Like, I've gone another direction, as though it matters. And then I was like, "Oh, I don't even have to give a reason." <gasps> there she is. There she is. I knew she would start scratching and asking the Say hi. What kind of dog is she? Mila is a fifty-five. This is Danny. Hello. Hi, Danny. <laughs> Your dog. That was very nice good. to meet you. It's this is very good. exciting. I'm yeah. meeting Amy's boyfriend on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very. Yes, good to. Um, you can now when you meet him in person, you'll be like, mm-hmm. it'll it'll be. Uh, we'll be like, we already sort of met. But to answer your question, she's fifty-five percent Chihuahua and a quarter Pomeranian. Mm-hmm. To me, she looks like she's got a tiny bit of sausage in her, but I always <laughs> yes, think that. There's, there's no sausage, but there's collie, and there's okay, lasso okay. apsa, okay. and a bunch of other random shit. I like a chewini. Oh, I love a chewini. I realize we even started even talking about the thing that I'm supposed to be talking about. Could be wiener dogs, because I do have a lot it of It could be wiener. We could... <laughs> could we... I was going to say, could we talk about wiener dogs for an hour? We could, but I have done entirely too many episodes about dogs. About dogs. Fair enough. Yes. Okay. But, okay, so you're my most, I would say, highly educated person I've ever oh had. God. Huge for me. Um, it is. Yeah. You're I the know. only teacher I've ever had on. <laughs> Well, and everybody, every listener on this of this podcast is now my student. (laughs) (laughs) And we will quiz them at the end. But I feel Um, like okay, so I wanted to just uh, drop it in in the ether. Um, I did want to talk to you about books because I fucking love books. And who else? Like, who is as fun to talk to about it as you are? And I was dying. I love that you you, um, love books. And I do, but you're also many things I w- we have in common. Yes, absolutely. I want to start with you at the book club. Oh my god, yes. The I know I mentioned this before. Maybe we weren't recording yet. That I one of my odd jobs is hosting book clubs for um, older women, and we do it on Zoom. Although they're very anxious to get back to in person. I bet. I guess they're all vaccinated now because they're like older. Um, but they're always like, when can we? And can we get you? And sometimes they will all meet together and be outside and then just like beam me in on one computer and then talk over me the entire time <laughs> and forget that I'm there. And I'm always like, yeah, did you guys like, if they don't like the book, they act like I wrote it and made them read it. They're just like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, you guys picked it. Remember? How old are they, roughly? I have one group of like young hot moms. Um, they insisted on reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Did you read that? I did. Ju- I just read that a couple weeks ago. I finished it on my on the plane. 
Okay, you know, how did you like it? I don't want to say anything rude. Okay, no, I really want your honest opinion on it, but I thought it was really, really slow, but towards the end, I ended up really liking it. I thought it was entertaining, mm-hmm. and I thought the best writing in it was when she was, like, writing about the setting. She's definitely uh-huh. somebody who's, like, horny for the marsh. Right. Um, I thought the dialogue was, like, so corny. I had a little bit of trouble with the, the dialogue when she was like, I do love the marsh! In, like, <laughs> like Cajun dialect but these women all wanted to just talk about if they're like they all had a bunch of like four-year-old daughters if they would survive in the swamp and i was that's like that's what their know? takeaway was they that's a lot of what they wanted to talk about it and i was like you guys live in brentwood like your daughters are dying in the swamp immediately you think they're gonna go whatever she did the crabbing yeah no they're not gonna make it um yeah i did i did like it you know books that i love are never like are rarely bestsellers in the way that where the crowd thing was. But I often feel that I, one of the things, qualities that I think if people would let me is I believe that I could recommend a distinct book for every single person I know. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's how much I feel like if I just could like prescriptions, if I, if I could give people prescriptions of books, Mm-hmm. Even if they thought it was a book that they wouldn't like, that um, I could prescribe a book that each person I know would like. I believe really, that to be that's true. That's really cool. I, and now, of course, I'm going to be like, okay, I want to hear my recommendation. I mean, you're like easier because you are a reader. But I mean, like even even like a weird um, stand-up man we know who like didn't read. I bet I could like recommend him a, a book. Next you time never get him to callers. sit down and read it, though. That's true. That's true. That's all the problem. That's all the problem. Maybe audiobook. <laughs> well, I have like, and this this is something that obviously I want you to tell me how you find books. But my way of finding books, and I end up reading all the bestsellers all the time, is not very sophisticated. I either wait for somebody I trust to give me a recommendation, or I'm sitting on Pinterest and I'm like taking note of what books keep showing up repeatedly on a bunch of lists. And once I see something on a lot of different lists, then I'll add it to my list. That's interesting. I didn't know that Pinterest even um, have books ever. What What have been books that you've liked this year? Uh, let me take down my list because uh, as just a very compulsive person who loves lists, a couple years ago, I started writing in the notes every book I finished. Oh, I love that. So I've got like a couple years worth of uh, books. Let me see if one that I found from like that. Well, where the crawdads sing, I got off that list. Uh, yeah, I mean that. Um, you know, every good book now gets like optioned to true. So it's always like it's exciting to me for that author who's probably like worked so long and hard making very little money. Yeah, maybe the movie will get big, or at least cool to like see something you've written with like a book I just read just got optioned with Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington, and I was like, damn, that's cool. oh wow. And it gets more people to read the book because exactly, that's exactly. how I find them too. I actually like first got really into reading because I would get into reading like the book version of something before the movie came out. So there was a lot like I started with Twilight. Twilight was like <laughs> obviously corny, but that was my introduction into like loving. Okay, my boyfriend's sisters are always talking about how we should do a podcast where they make me read um, Twilight <gasps> and other books like that. And I'm like, that would be a good idea. So, I, so I, I've always said I couldn't bring myself to, but maybe 
It would be so funny and it would be hilarious to reread them. But I've like watched the the movies are the type of movies that like they're so bad. They're good. I'm like, I would be down to watch that and Fifty Shades of Grey. Very hard for me to stomach reading them, but I'd be down to watch them. I also just want to say to the listeners, to our, (laughs) wherever they may be, that I'm really only this pretentious about books. When it comes to movies and television, it's like, I have almost zero taste. It's like, I will watch absolutely anything. When people are like, that movie's bad. I was like, it was? I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> like my listeners don't. Gilmore. <laughs> Anyone that's and coming here knows that this... I, books, I, really, I am pretentious about books. I'm trying to be a little bit more. I'm trying to be less. Like, I'm trying to be more. Let people enjoy what they enjoy. No, be pretentious know. about it. Like, not on me. I'm not pretentious about movies. Clearly, I named the podcast after Fast and Furious. I have no taste in movies. People oh, I mean, know me. TV, I'm like, you know, reality only. Yeah, same. <laughs> I watched The Crown. I guess there's that. Yeah, that's a that's a respected show. Oh, Every well, now there's... And then. Okay, here's a good one I found off a list. That okay. I oh, actually, okay, two. So they're both good, but one of them, like, emotionally killed me, which was A Little oh, Life. that. Oh, a little life. That's Jerry Goldstein's favorite movie. I mean, favorite favorite <laughs> favorite book. Shout out to Jerry Goldstein who Shout loved out. a little life. Would carry it around with him. It was um, just to the point he was like writing. sending me. I think he was like sending the author DMs. Yeah, and I remember texting you about it because I was just so moved by that book, and I had to tell you about it specifically. And you mentioned it was Jared's favorite. book. Oh yes, this is killing yeah. me. Yes, yeah, that one, that one, um, so dense. So it's thick. really dense. Yeah, it took me a long time to read it, and it was one of those things where I'm just like, this can't get any more devastating, and it just gets, yeah, more yeah, more yeah. Like it keeps hitting you with, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah. But I found that on Pinterest. That's wild. Yeah, and then this other one, find out about books. I think it's like anything that you follow closely, Mm -hmm. just know all the time about like books coming out. And so, where do you find yours? I don't know. That's what I. I just think it's like any. Well, partly for the book club, I have to Mm -hmm. because they only like reading books that are just coming out. Right. So. Uh, there's, it's like a company that does this. It's called, well, you know, I'm not going to say the name because I've already made fun of all the women. <laughs> but a company does it and they, we have like 10 facilitators. And so we were like on an email chain, always being like, we read this. Has anybody read this? And sharing each other's like notes. Mm-hmm. The woman in charge just told me that um, there's another person trying to start a company just like her. And they're like Uh-oh. in a lawsuit over it. I was like over a book club company. <laughs> I guess she like stole some of her book notes on the Google Drive. Anyway, I was like, this is a. That's a serious uh, book club. I mean, to take it that seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I also follow a lot of writers on Twitter and a lot of like publications that are writing only about books. So there's always like a list I'm working through that I'm like, I want to read that. I want to read that. But then sometimes I'll just pick something up that's like from a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have like an internal list that I'm, but there's I always such have a long stack. Yeah, yeah. Such a backlog. I do think like, I've seen a lot of people get more into reading in quarantine. I feel like, mm-hmm. which is like cool. It's like the only thing in many ways that's relaxing because it's the only thing that you do when you don't do anything else. You know, it's like when I yeah. watch TV, I also play on a phone and stuff like that. But when you read, it like takes 100% of your attention. It does. And I find myself, 
I mean, I always read a lot, but I'm just getting through books faster in quarantine because, you know, the evening time that stand up used to take. Now I, I'm just laying around more. So I find myself reading more. Oh, now I'm picturing you in the evening reading. That's so cute. <laughs> With my little cup of tea and my pillow and my dog. Yeah. I love that. I have yeah, a literal I list. <laughs> I sometimes, I've been listening to more audiobooks because of the book club. I sometimes mm-hmm. want to read things I'm not interested in reading. So I'll be like, okay, I'll just listen. You and can skirt like, it by listening to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's like sort of its own interesting experience. I'll like play my stupid iPhone games. I'll play Dr. Mario World while like mm-hmm. the where the crawdad thing is like, I went down to the dock. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the show. Okay. Do you think I should be an actress? Yes. Thank you. But only in things you want to act in. Thank you. You name a character from a book and I'll act it out for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Better not. <laughs> that's a good... Now we can't think of a thing. Now I'm stuck on where the crawdads sing. Okay, I'll do... I'll do <laughs> Ma left and Paul's a drunk. <laughs> I remember enough about that book. But I do love me some swamps. Have you guys done anything in the book club that you've liked? Yeah, yeah, we've done a lot. One of my favorite books of the year is called Homeland Elegies. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that by Ayad Akhtar is his name, and it's, he's Muslim, and it's, I thought I wouldn't like it because Trump's a character in it, and I thought oh. that was going to take up a big portion, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't. Um, it's just minor, and it's like, it sounds like a slog. But it's not. It's like really entertaining and part memoir, part fiction. I like that. Writers and Lovers. I read at the beginning of quarantine. Did I recommend that to you? I feel like I no. read too. By Lily King. That was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it somewhere. A book recently called Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. And that's written in the form of a screenplay. That oh, cool. that's cool. Yeah. None of the women want to read that. They're like, that's too weird. Oh, really? It's so easy to read. Once you actually get past it and you just keep reading it, it's actually really easy. There is sometimes like um, resistant to things that once they try it, like they don't like books about anyone in their 20s. They'll be like, millennial book. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> or if like somebody Kaya has like, like uh, so with, what'd you say? Kaya was so young in most of that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If somebody has like a fluid sexuality and is like written by someone in their 20s they'll be like is she a lesbian or a straight person it's very <laughs> confusing to them i'll be like i think that her sexuality isn't really defined and they're like heads are exploding mm-hmm. i read this other book that i thought was so well it gets like so hyped up on um pinterest and it gets so hyped up on i'm also on book talk which is the corner of tiktok oh, that's all about books book talk. i need to look at that there's goodreads too which can be interesting. yeah it's good, but there was this book called like The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo that was like so hyped up on everything. And it, I was just like, man, it, it really missed the mark with me. I don't get why everyone's like praising this book so much. It was fine. It was entertaining. Like what you said, it was just entertaining, but it wasn't like, oh, like the writing. Really- yeah. I think there's a difference between like entertaining and then like really good writing where it's like the story is in the sentence because the sentences are so good this um writing mentor of mine used to say that the goal is to have it so that to write stuff so that every sentence is so good that the reader wants to read it a second time but the story is so good that the reader wants to turn the page 
Mm-hmm. So it's like this paradox of wanting to reread what you just read and wanting to turn the page to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. That's wild. Are you into memoirs at all? Um, I say no. And then every time I read one, I like one. So mm-hmm. maybe I definitely like gravitate towards fiction and I like seeing people make up a story. I'm only interested in writing fiction. But when I read a good memoir, I am moved. Have you read one that's good lately? I'm reading right now, um, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Did you read that one? So Chanel Miller, everything about this book makes me hate how I'm going to describe her to you, but she's best known for the Stanford sexual assault. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And it is just, it it almost fits that description where it's so good that I want to turn the page or like flip it. It's on my Kindle, so I'm not really turning a page. (laughs) But and then you're like, oh, the sentences are really good. The sentences are really, really just like beautifully crafted and it's not too much. And she's not being mean towards him or his family. And she's not. I don't know. I think I'm really moved in a memoir or in like an essay Mm -hmm. when it seems like the um, writer has no stake, has no isn't worried about their ego right? or like seeming a certain way. And they're just Mm -hmm. interested in really interrogating the truth. There's a book I like by Darren Strauss called A Half-Life, I think. And it's about he accidentally hit and killed a woman in a car in high school. It was like a woman jogging. And he wasn't drinking or anything. He was Mm -hmm. just like in the car with friends. And he talks about how it sort of like haunted his life. And he writes this image about when it happened. And he didn't realize she was dead. Mm Mm-hmm. But the paramedics came and there were other girls from his high school who pulled up to see what he was doing. And he went down on, on his knees and, and like uh, made like a crying, like mm-hmm. did all of this performative stuff for the girls watching. Wow. Without even knowing what happened to the girl he hit or, mm-hmm. and I was just like, what? what? I kind of butchered it there. But when you read it, you're like, what honest? interrogating of your own mistakes and regrets that you could remember one of the biggest um, like regrettable moments of your young life and not pull any punches when you mm-hmm. retell it to the reader. It's called A Half-Life? I think so. I have to, I have to look it up. His name is Darren Strauss. He, he also wrote a great novel about Munchausen's if you have any interest. Oh. With that yeah, I'm open to anything. I don't like stick to one. I feel like I really jump from category to category and I almost intentionally try to do like not do back-to-back fiction or not do back-to-back memoir not do mm. back-to-back self-help but like really mix it up and historical those are probably... fiction are you into that uh say it again I said historical fiction yes I just read another I've read like a couple of world war ii books in the last couple months Ooh, okay I just read all the light you cannot see that's on my list. I just and read. Wait, let me look at the name. They insisted on it, and then when we did the book club, they, a few of them were like, "It was boring," and I was like, "You wanted to read this, <laughs> you devils." Um, that's another one that shows up on all the Pinterest lists. So I just read "We Were the Lucky Ones," uh, Georgia Hunter. Oh, we were the lucky ones. I've heard of that. Okay. It was amazing. Um, and it's, okay, okay. it's actually, no, it's not historical fiction. I fucked up. It's, it's based on a real family. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I always, there's a lot of books that I'm like, that's not really my thing. 
And then when I read a good one, I'm like, okay, bitch, everything's your thing. I like good writing. I do feel that the things I gravitate to are writing that feels like it's of like urgent to me, sort of like of the real world mm-hmm. or of the current world. But then I feel like you read great historical fiction and you're like, okay, it feels urgent because it's immersing you in that world. And a lot of the themes are still present. Yeah, maybe you would like this. This has been one I've been recommending to a lot of people. I read Radium Girls last year. I haven't heard of that. And it so... um it's actually more, it's, I wouldn't call it historical fiction because it's based on what actually happened, but it's written like, so like historical nonfiction. Yeah. Historical nonfiction. About, okay, cool, cool. But it's so easy to read and it's, the story's about a hundred years old. So it's from, um, when Marie Curie discovered radium and, some these watchmaking companies realized that they could use a little bit of radium to make the lights on the watches fluorescent so that they could sell it to the army so the army could see the time in the dark. And this is like World War One. Mm-hmm. And they had they only hired women to like work in these factories and paint the numbers on the watch dials. And so the women would use this tiny little brush and they would dip it in the radium and then they would make the brush pointy by putting it in their mouths and then Damn. they paint the watches. And over time, all these women started, of course, being affected and the, the radium would eat through their bones, their Damn. legs would fall apart, their jaws would break and fall out. Like Because they were touching it to their tongue every time they yes. remembered. Yeah. Damn, and it's the it's the craziest story in and of itself. And then it ends up at the end, tying it up with like, they were so revolutionary and getting like all sorts of workers rights passed for people to where they couldn't work in these hazardous environments because this company was taking full advantage. And I'm like, I can't believe I enjoyed this book as much as I did. I like that. That sounds really interesting to me. I always recommend, um, Oh, you know what? I like John Ronson's. So now you've been publicly shamed. That is, it's like very mm-hmm. contemporary for like Twitter. I want to read that. I've heard about it a lot. It's like that. It's a good audiobook because he's like funky and British and you mm-hmm. hear him go through a bunch of different examples of like, and some of them are just really wild. Like what happened to people on like social media? Um, you know, it's like he mm-hmm. calls it the modern day, whatever, when people used to be, be put in the town square. Oh, yeah. Those, what do you call those? You put your head in your hands through? The guillotine? Is yeah. that right? Uh, not guillotine. No, not know. guillotine. Socks. The socks. With the socks. The, whatever. Anyway. But the guillotine was the head chopper thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it wasn't that. That's different. Head, yeah. Um, yeah, that one I like. I love a historical fiction piece of historical a novel historical fiction um called the paying guests and hmm. it's like a like lesbian mystery it's really good but it like took place in the 1800s i love that kind of stuff what more There's, do you want i like the book called hamnet it's about um ham shakespeare's imagined son mm-hmm. that he might have written hamlet about huh far far do <laughs> you ever read self-help books you know no should i if you recommend me one i'd like i try to re- downloaded codependency no more <laughs> nice i have the codependency steps book on my night shelf on my night female shelf. comedian who has not at least dabbled in codependency no more <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's in the stand-up com- female stand-up comedian starter pack 
Yeah, it's it's the one of the most formative words in the zeitgeist of being a female comic because you're like, really? I have codependency issues. <laughs> you're like, well, I had one. There was some thread on Twitter recently um, that Megan Gailey and I were sending to each other because we have the same therapist about um, whether all female comedy writers have one difficult parent. Mm-hmm. Either the parents like an alcoholic or narcissistic or just difficult, and it creates something. It, all female comedy writers have one difficult mm-hmm. parent, and I was like, "Damn, I think that's you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't have that who writes comedy." Yeah, that's and they'd had all these like theories for why that is, but I'll find that in you. <laughs> I'm in my head trying to decide which parent <laughs> is more. Oh, I have like clearly one difficult one and one easygoing one. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've one that's certainly uh, taken the the leap in the front <laughs> front runner. Okay, tell me about a self help one I should read. Um, so I'm a big Brene Brown fan. So oh, okay, I hear a lot of good stuff about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have read Daring Greatly. Daring Greatly, like a few times, because it has become a book that if I'm like going through something, I'll just listen to it again. <laughs> Oh, I have a collection of short stories that I always recommend for anyone going through a breakup. Is it um, Tiny Beautiful Things? No. Uh, no, it's like it's literal pieces of fiction, like okay. short stories. It has a terrible title, but it's mm-hmm. so good. It's called the Cowboys Are My Weakness. I hate huh. that title. But that is really a terrible is a great title. Book. Yeah, it's just a terrible <laughs> title. But I do, I remember I took something from Tiny Beautiful Things when I was going through a breakup and it was helpful. Mm-hmm. I've read that one twice too. I have yeah, a thing. Yeah. I have like emotional support books that I will reread. Yeah, yeah, it's so true that it like feels like a wise friend mm-hmm. retelling you. Damn, I gotta, re- I gotta reread Cowboys and My Weakness. It's so good. And now I got. I'm excited to learn about a new one, but I'm always reading like douchey. I shouldn't say they're douchey, but it feels douchey the one I talk about it. But I'm like, oh, I'm trying to read like these Buddhist like Thich Nhat Hanh books and oh, like, Power of Now. And, yeah. Okay. Like, Dan Donahue has recommended me a few of those. The um, Tig. Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say that. I thought when you were going to say um, bitchy, it was going to be something like uh, influential people. I don't know. <laughs> the ten secrets. Something like that. What about That's Untamed? I hear really good stuff about that. I haven't read Untamed. Is it a memoir? I don't think it's self-help. I think it's a memoir. I'm not sure. Unless I'm confusing that with a book back to my list, because there was a memoir last year that I read that might have had a similar name. Oh my god, my dog is just like trying to get... You can't get out, Mila. You're stuck Mila. in here. <laughs> my 2019 list. Oh my goodness. This is bad podcasting that I'm looking for something on my phone. Forget it. It probably okay, you can untamed. edit it out. It wasn't untamed. It was called Educated, the book that I was. Oh, Educated! It's so good. Tara Westover. Yes. Yes. Memoir. Yes. Great memoir. That's a great memoir. I agree with that. That's a memoir I always recommend to people. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, there are some great memoirs, but it's not like self help books because I'm always like, this is annoying, and so from a fiction writer, but I'm always like, fiction can teach you more. Lies assembled in an artistic way are a higher form of truth (laughs) but I know that people can get a lot out of um self-help I think there's so many bad self-help badly written self-help books just like that they're They're hard to get through but like a well-written one one. yeah and so much of the like writing is um I I somebody had given me 
the name of it? How to how to have no fucks or something? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it right, but like, oh, is it unfuck yourself? Because that was gifted to me as well. Say it again. Is it unfuck yourself? No, but it's something with fuck the title. Don't no, not giving a fuck something like that. And it's the writing was so bad. I was like, this is so cliche and corny. Being like, look, look at yourself in the mirror, and <laughs> oh, I can't I do know. ones like that. It felt like satire. I was like, mm-hmm. who's writing this? A sketch comedian? Is this <laughs> Noah Finling <laughs> pretending to be a character? Do you ever read true crime? Because that's my other favorite. Okay, I love that. I'm obsessed with watching true crime, any kind of crime documentary. I don't read true crime. I love a like well written mystery, like mm-hmm. a good literary thriller. So I'm interested, I think, in reading like detective fiction. I feel like you would like Anne Rule. What is her? Will you name me a title? So yeah, so the biggest one, and this is like a book that I've gifted to people because I loved it so much. Uh, the Stranger Beside Me is about Ted Bundy, but she works with oh, him, was friends with him. Okay, I'm into that. I'd definitely be into that. And it's so well written that I was like mad when it was over. I was like, I need more of this book. Oh damn! I love um, an old uh, mystery writer named Megan Abbott, mm. who like got a PhD in noir and knows so much about like old school detective fiction. And she cool. writes strictly like female murders. Ooh, it's very cool and it's like very literally literary. She had one that got made into a TV show, Dare Me, about cheerleaders. Mm. I think it was like on USA or something. And then she's one I love about gymnastics called You Will Know Me. I wish we could take calls right now and like let's get a, let's get some calls from some bookheads. <laughs> bookheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any uh anybody having a this is my other thing that I would like to do is if somebody has a problem that's ailing them, I think you and I could prescribe a book. Yes, that should be should a we book. do a show like this. Yeah, that could be you'd have to take calls. Mm-hmm. Seems hard to um figure out how to take calls on a podcast. but I It know would be you sidetracking. Here's what the podcast would be. You sidetracking about dogs and me looking for a list on my phone. <laughs> okay, which reminds me, a great murder documentary I watched. Um, have you seen The Family Next Door? No, but I've, I've, I've passed it on Netflix. Okay, it's so wild. I mean, it's like really haunting because mm-hmm. it's all like actual footage. But all this to, to say, I was obsessed with um, just the image very briefly of two wiener dogs in the house after people had been murdered. <laughs> and nobody said anything about them. And I was like, these wiener dogs, did they do it? Did they commit the crime? <laughs> did they do the time? <laughs> yes. And they were just like wagging their tail. They didn't seem like freaked out at all. I was like, people have just been murdered. Did they murder them, the most aggressive dog breed of all time? <laughs> no, I mean, I think the wiener dogs are innocent, but we really don't know for sure. <laughs> we Did you ever watch the staircase? <laughs> that, yeah, that reminds me. Did you ever watch the staircase? Of course. I have a bit where, of Oh, you did? You do? Yeah. Okay, is, I was just talking about this. Isn't that the one where it was an owl who murdered his wife? That's one of the running theories. Oh, they. I thought that they confirmed it. No, they couldn't confirm it because it just the way there was only like one feather and they're saying that if it had been an owl, there would have been more feathers and it would have been oh, okay, okay, worse okay. So, than it was. But he got off, right? He did. And they, okay, what do you think happened? Well, he, I thought it was the owl. He originally got convicted and arrested and then eventually got out. And 
I don't know. I'm pretty kind of biased because in the bit, I paint him as being guilty as fuck, and I don't want to throw out. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've been talking about him lately, just as like imagine an out like a freak accident, and that will fucking kill your wife, and you're like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but maybe he did do it. Okay, interesting. I don't know. I kind of uh, I've heard versions where it doesn't sound like he does it at all, but then at the end, mm. they like made the original staircase, and then they added a bunch of episodes after he was released from prison and mm. in the episodes post sentence they're produced by someone that ends up like having an intimate relationship with him so it's like mm-hmm. produced by in a biased way and I'm like of course he's gonna look innocent based on this mm. but I don't know it's just fucking sketchy it's just a lot of blood for someone to fall down the stairs yeah uh, you know what Owl can have really sharp talents <laughs> you are team owl I'm team owl for some reason even though I didn't find that guy like particularly likable and I thought he was sketchy I'm still like it could be an owl <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm not I'm probably like 40% he did it 40% he didn't 20% owl okay 40% he did it 40% he's innocent it couldn't isn't 20% owl in with the percentage of him being innocent or you think he paid the owl off or something? No, I said, like, maybe she just fell. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so, like, 40% she fell, uh-huh. 20% owl, Yeah. 40% he did it. Yeah. I'm six, I'm 70% owl, 30% he did it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I think owls are sort of evil, seeming. You, you know, have you seen their legs? Not up close. There's been these images going around the internet of just how it's like almost become a joke how ridiculous their legs are. But like you can't really see when you just see a traditional owl sitting on a branch and you only see the feet. You're not understanding. Like just everybody listening, Google owl legs because they have these crazy long, creepy legs that just like we're not aware of. And then you see them and they're startling. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like murder legs. <laughs> I, think like, I think you just described what sounds to me like weapons. <laughs> I mean, when you look at, when I take the legs into consideration, I might have to give a couple more percentage points to the owl. I will say, I'm, I'm, um, I'm like trying to write a mystery, which I'm not really a mystery writer, so the mystery is really slow. It's just like a novel with an aspect of a mystery. And every time I, I like watch a new Dateline, which is constantly, and I also listen to the Dateline podcast, I'm always like, yeah, something like this. And then I go back to what I'm writing, and I'm like, no. <laughs> you couldn't have an owl kill a man. <laughs> this is just crazy. Um, I want to hear about the, like, your history with things getting published like how did that start where are you at right now oh man I mean such a long you know like the same with like the road to stand up I think I wrote for years before and got everything rejected got short stories rejected for a long time I was writing short stories that weren't even really short stories I just didn't know it until you know like all things it was like it helped to read more than write just like I feel like in early stand up, it helps to like watch more stand up mm-hmm. as you're you're trying to conceive of like sets. And I started imitating short stories I really liked, and I think that's when it like clicked. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember the first publication I ever got was I had won a contest and it was like a piece of flash fiction, meaning like under a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And I remember what I was reading at the time that I was like inspired by. And then after that, it's just like so slow going. I've been like writing short stories for like since college. And, and um, now I'm, you know, in my very late twenties. Some might say so, <laughs> such late twenties that I'm in my thirties. <laughs> Me too. Then yeah, it's been like um, I don't, you know. And then yeah, so slowly but surely, I I published in a lot of magazines nobody's ever heard of. Um, and then slowly, 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 finally a few bigger magazines mm-hmm. and. Um, I've always felt more comfortable in short stories than I have in a novel. I'm always like anxious to get off the page. I like like the short form, yeah. I'm nervous to make something sustain for 200 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how anyone like. I just I think about Stephen King, and it's like, dude, how? You know what? What I'm discovering, and I don't know if this novel is going to turn out, is when I write short stories. Every time I sit down, I I start by reading everything I've written before. Oh my so god! By the time you read, but it's like how a is that sustainable? It's like a short story is fifteen pages, so it's like you know, sort of when you get to the end, you've like edited as you go, so you don't need a lot of revision. And in a novel, like you say, that is just unsustainable. Yeah. So I write five hundred words a day. I just check it off. Mm-hmm. I only when I sit down, I only read what I read the pre written the previous day. Mm-hmm. And I just keep moving forward, and I just keep thinking, like, I hope it's all going to come together. <laughs> I don't know. People are always like, your self-conscious is, like, working through it. And I'm like, it is. But how could you... Everyone who's really good at anything has imposter syndrome. And if you don't, I don't trust you. Oh, I mean, for uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more even-keeled now that I'm, like, on page 120. That's amazing. Sometimes I'm like, one day I'm like, this, I think it's, this is good. This is pretty good. And then the next day I'm like, this is such a pile of embarrassing <laughs> shit. This is humiliating. The fact that anyone will ever look at this is humiliating. I sent it to my agents and I was like, so annoying about it. Everybody that I admire in writing was like, whatever you do, do not let anybody read something in progress, like a novel in progress. But I had agreed to sending the first 75 pages. So I was like, nobody's allowed to respond. Mm-hmm. They were like, why? What is wrong with you? Like, why are you? <laughs> I was like, no notes. So then everybody was like, we liked where it's going. <laughs> How long have you been working on it? This writing mentor of mine was like, if people like it, you'll be nervous. You won't know where to go. And if people mm-hmm. don't like it, you'll feel like you have to go back to it again. Um, I don't know. I mean, somewhere in the middle of quarantine... That feels like a lot to get done in a year, under a year. Yeah, well, it's like I like 500 words is about two pages a day. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've been working on it. Um, you know, I'm not good at math. <laughs> it's okay. So ballpark. So, oh God, I'm struggling too. Like three uh, like eighty pages or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, my eighty uh, days. Eighty days. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I dread reading it all together. But I know that eventually. Well, what is your experience in writing? Is it something that you would like to do more of? You sent me a story and I didn't get a chance to read it. You'll have to send me something new. Oh, I think it was. I probably sent you the pilot that I worked on. Oh, that's what I want to read. Yeah, because I. So I took is a pilot it? writing class last year. 
Is it about a notary who gets involved in a heist? <laughs> it's not, but it should be. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I think I just needed to prove to myself that I could, like, complete from... Which of course, and I bet it's a lot better than a lot of people's pilots. A lot of people who are like, I have a great pilot, and you're like, I'm having trouble completing it, and then I'm sure... Yeah, and I don't. I think it is a good reflection of my skill as a writer, but it's not a story I'm passionate about because I really just sat down to do it just to be like, okay, just write a fucking pilot from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And now that I've like been able to say that I've done that and feel okay about it and have shown it to enough mm-hmm. people and people be like, okay, it makes sense. It's this, mm-hmm. it's that. And I'm like, okay, now I feel like I have the permission to write what I actually want to write. Um, that makes sense. It makes sense to like practice on something you care less about. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want to, and I actually haven't started the next thing because I think I have this like worry that because it's the one that I want to do, that I'm not going to like it. So I keep yeah. not sitting down to do it because I'm nervous about doing it poorly. Well, something that I have trouble with too is like feeling like it's your only chance when it's like, I'm like this novel or anytime I try to write a pilot, it's like you can revise it. Anything yeah. you write won't be like in stone. But I think there's this feeling that it's like, if I fuck it up, you know, it's done forever. When in reality, it's like, you can write a million revisions. Yeah, I think so too. And not that I, I mean, I'm not like trained at all as a writer, but there's a part of me that's like, how can I like reading so much and never sit down to Listen, write? There are a lot of people like who are trained or who are bad writers. And I think there are a lot of people who are untrained that I think just instinctually are good writers. And I think the, what separates the two is that it's readers versus non-readers. I really feel like a friend of mine also, I love this book and I always say it, so I made it up, but it was a friend quote that um, there are are no such thing as natural writers they're only natural readers so it's like if you grew up reading and then once you sit down to write you already know kind of how sentences should look and sound yeah and everyone in sixth grade is like she's a natural and in reality you just <laughs> consume so many books I mean I yeah. hope that's the case but I didn't I was like such a bad kid with it I actually used to skirt around doing reading assignments over the summer and I would do it last minute or I wouldn't finish the book and I would fake my way through it and it really wasn't until college that I started reading like quote unquote for fun I mean I have a I have a bunch of theories about like curriculum that we make students read and when I teach like creative writing or intro to fiction I'm always just trying to pick books that will like blow their little heads the top of their little heads off and be like oh I didn't know that this could be a short story because I remember starting writing and only having read like Ernest Hemingway and just being like nothing like old man in the sea like I've never been to war I have nothing interesting yeah to say and then I remember the first stories I read that were like about a girl at a party and, and we were so moving and I was like oh you're allowed to write a story about a girl at a party it was like that and yeah, it takes a while to like find that stuff. It's like giving yourself permission to write based on what you're reading, I think is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, and they did. You're, you're right. That's such a good point that the books that they introduced us to growing up were either so hard to read or it was like The Scarlet Letter, where I'm like, I'm 12. <laughs> and I'm not, and The Scarlet Letter, gosh, I forgot about The Scarlet Letter. The Scarlet Letter is so fucking stupid. The Scarlet Letter is like, uh, is that encouraging me to be a hoe or not be a hoe? Like, what is the theme of the Scarlet Letter? <laughs> the Scarlet Letter is so, so stupid. You made us read. I hate probably oh all. Oh my of god! Those. I forgot about the Scarlet Letter till this moment. Now you have me mad. <laughs> I will say I do like the Great Gatsby. I think it's a, it's one of the classics I like. 
I like the Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. I like James Baldwin. I like Toni Morrison. I like a lot of those classics, but I think like there's there's so many books that feel urgent to like someone in high school. Why not let them read that? I know. I feel the same way, and I feel like some of the books were just either too, and and maybe this was the teachers. But they would assign us a book to read and then they would try to make meaning out of things that I'm like, I think you're just talking out of your ass as far as what you think that paragraph means. It's probably not about Jesus. That's a tough tough one because it's like, you know, yeah, it's weird. I've watched my own work get discussed Mm -hmm. by like classes. Oh, how weird. Sometimes I'll be like moved by what they think they've like uncovered and I'll be like maybe they're right like I think I do have that preoccupation and they saw this motif of doors opening return like they pointed that out when I didn't realize I was doing that and I think part of that is like when writing's going well um you don't even know what you're you know you reread something you've written and if it's gone well you're like I didn't even know I knew that Mm -hmm. it's like coming from a different Mm -hmm. kind of subconscious part of your brain but then at the same time it's like I would hear people discuss my own writing and I'd be like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> like, that's, that was just an arbitrary choice I made, you know, to make the base blue. I was trying to be specific. Yeah, and those are the kinds of things that I so distinctly remember happening. And I that was like one of the only classes that I was in like the AP class. So I, AP English was the only AP class that I like was mm. qualified for. And so they get into these... <laughs> that was like me too, just like you know, and I'm so scarred from this. You'll, you'll relate it as a fellow Jew. I had this fifth grade teacher, or not fifth grade, 10th grade, Mr. Lazar. And it was like uh, AP English. And he put this, I, I don't even remember what book it was pertaining to, but he drew a four square diagram on the uh, board. And it was about whether you believe in Jesus or not. And Oh my God. Board, okay. This is abuse. It it was, and mind you, I went to like a mostly Jewish school and he was well aware of like who the students were. Like everyone in my class. I would have been so scarred by that because I grew up around all Christians and I would have been like, okay, they're going to take me out on the stake. And I feel like I should, I can't draw it because it's not a visual podcast, but in, it was like the four squares were whether they were the intersection of you believe Jesus and he is real. You're good. You believe in him and he's not real. You're safe. You don't believe in him and he is real. You're not safe. And then he's and not this analyzing literature. Yeah. And he was analyzing literature. And I was like, this can't be what this book is. What about. book? God, I don't remember. That's the problem is I was so scarred by his lesson that I don't even remember what yeah. that was his takeaway for. I mean, it's, it's like one of those things, like the more you do it and your instincts, it's like there is, there are ways to analyze literature that everybody can agree on. Mm-hmm. But like I'm teaching poetry this semester and I just feel always like if a poem's good, it's open to a lot of interpretation. And who am I to say that a, a student's interpretation is wrong? The only times that I, I correct them is when they're like, okay, uh, I think the author was like hungry here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you don't know what the author's thinking. Like, what, what is happening? But, they wrote it when they were like hungry or tired. Yeah, it's very weird. They'll be like, or they conflate in poetry. They're often conflating the author with the speaker of the poem. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, we don't know that the author is talking about herself here, you know. <laughs> 
but I'm like a big stickler for not being like, my writing isn't about me. <laughs> yes, yeah, the uh, protagonist named Amelia, is she a small dog? <laughs> That's just my chance. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, All right. Well, I had a great time. Yeah. It was so great having you. I want you to tell people where they can find you and your writing. Next podcast, um, we open the phone lines and people can tell us their problems. Oh, yeah. I recommend them books. You know it. Um, yeah. How do we do that? I guess we just do it on Twitter. Like, call this number. <laughs> Uh, where can they find me on? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Silverberg. I have a website where you can read my writing. www.amysilverberg.com. Um, you can also email me at bigjugsrule at gmail.com <laughs> if you have a picture of a wiener dog. No weird pictures, only wiener dogs. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having us. Everybody else, thank you for listening and stay curious. Thanks to the listeners. Stay curious. I hope there's a big, um, like, Amy books, you know, beneath it. <laughs> and then in a smaller subtitle, plus wiener dogs.